This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and irrelevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Sarah. Hello. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, how are you today? I'm so good. How are you? Great. Really excited to chat with you today. Oh, it's so awesome. So uh, yeah, why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol and let us know where it all started for you? You know, so I've been really trying to like, you know, I don't like living in the past, but I've tried to really be clear on like, when did this, this problem, this relationship start? And I realized that um, for a long time, I've been telling people, oh, you know, I really liked to drink in high school, but realistically, I actually didn't, I didn't like the taste of alcohol as, as you know, so many people point out, um, because it was, I grew up in a small town and everybody drank, uh, I'm from Canada, so everybody drank Molson Canadian and beer, and I didn't like it. So really the moment that I fell in love with drinking was when I saw this woman who uh, lived next to me in my dorm in my first year of university drinking Piedor, like the cheapest white wine from a juice glass with a straw. And I was like, that is the most cool thing I've ever seen in my life. And from that day forward, I never went without wine. It was always around me, always with me, always, I was always ordering it. You know, it was never anything else. It was just a love affair with wine from that moment forward. Oh, wow. And so what did that look like? How did that sort of manifest in your life? In my 20s, you know, I was that girl that was like, oh my God, it's St. Patrick's Day. Everybody gets to the bar at 12 o'clock. And like, I wouldn't leave until 2 a.m. So, you know, 14 hours at a bar. It's like, uh, I don't even know, you know, how many drinks I would have had that day. But I was the one who would pre-drink and pass out on the subway on the way to the club. And then everybody would be mad because I'd ruined their night. Uh, my husband, uh, who was my boyfriend at the time, he wasn't a heavy drinker at all. He used to get so embarrassed because at family events, I would be like four or five glasses over, maybe not four, but like definitely three glasses of wine over a course of a dinner. And he would be so embarrassed because nobody else would be drinking that much. And ironically, um, this is so funny, but my in-laws are Russian and my father-in-law has a wine glass of vodka for dinner every day. And he's been doing this since he was like a teenager in Russia. And there was always a sort like, it's okay for him to do it, but it was very embarrassing when I would do stuff like that. Or I would be the, I would be the one at the bar at 2 AM and he'd be dragging me home. And I'd be like, no, no, no. Like, I want to have more, just one more. And everybody would just be rolling their eyes. Like, come on, like very cringy. That's all I could say is like, I couldn't see how cringy it was, but, you know, falling asleep in the lobby of my, my apartment building, <laughs> like things like that. And 
you know, I'm really lucky. I look back now in that, that 10 year phase between university and like having my first child, like I'm really lucky that I live in downtown Toronto, that nothing bad happened to me. Like I'm really, really lucky that I kind of got away with that. And, um, you know, I was always hiding it from my parents as well. My grandfather passed away from alcohol abuse. So I grew up in a house, a teetotaling household. (laughs) Then we get to, you know, being a mom and, you think, oh, I gave up wine for nine months. That was when I started to really feel like, like right around after my first daughter, my first child was born, I started to kind of be like, this, this is not great. And I actually uncovered and over COVID, as I was cleaning my house, I uncovered uh, one of those questionnaires I had printed out for myself in like 2009 that you had to determine if you're an alcoholic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'd handwritten it out and made all these promises to myself. And then I shoved it in a drawer. And, um, you know, it's, it got worse and worse as the kids sort of got older. And I really fell into this permissive mommy wine culture. Um, I can get into that more if you want me to. (laughs) That would be great. So where it really started getting dark was I realized, um, you know, my son was about two years old. So this is my second. And I was that mom who was bringing, everybody would joke about bringing your booze to the farmer's market, like in your stroller and your, you know, you've got booze in a sippy cup and it was, you know, everybody would joke about it, but I was the one actually doing it without the understanding that nobody else was (laughs) like, it was a joke, you know, and I didn't, I couldn't see that until after I stopped drinking and um, right towards the Um, I guess nearing the pandemic, I was really starting to feel that the sickness, the, I was like every morning feeling like garbage. It's the same, it's the same story. There's been so many people on your podcast, so many moms who have gone through the same thing. And that's, I mean, that's the blessing about your podcast is hearing from hearing other women, hearing other moms, you know, share this, this experience of like, oh my God, I've got to get up and take care of the kids, but I hate myself. Yeah. I hate what I've done to myself. Um, how can I be doing this to myself? What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I was, and so now, um, now here's the, here's where everything changed. And this is like the most joyful part of like the whole story is like, it's actually quite funny. So when you're a heavy drinker, you really don't need something to tr- like count your drinks. You know how much you're drinking, but I downloaded this crazy app Mm. And it was like this thing that's meant for to keep you in line um, to count how many drinks you're having as if that was going to help me quit or moderate. And I always find that funny now that I look back, like you don't know, you don't need something to tell you how many drinks you're having. If you do, you're drinking too much. Like, <laughs> you, you know, you know, you're drinking six drinks in a, in a night. You don't need to put that in your phone and feel even worse about yourself. So in that app, in the app though, the most beautiful thing happened. They just randomly connect you with other people who have also downloaded the app to be, to be part of a community. So it's, it's a sort of effort to like, uh, now, now I know like community, how important community is. And, uh, there was somebody in the chat in in one of those, in that first month I was on this app saying that they had been sober for 30 days. And I was like, what, how, like, how, what's your, what's your trick? What's your secret? And he said, oh, I read this naked mind. And literally, I don't think I ever went on the app again. I downloaded your book right away and started reading it because at that point I was like, anything. And I had never related to the idea of AA. 
I'll get to that later, but I have, a, you know, something to say about AA. Like I, I know that it's a valuable tool for a lot of people, but I did not connect with that. I'm not religious. Um, I, I felt like there's a stigma around AA and I, I just thought I, I just don't, didn't want to do that. And so I was trying to kind of hack it. I guess you're trying to, I guess I, you could say I was hacking sober curiosity <laughs> to a point. And mm-hmm. yeah. So I read your book and in your first chapter, you're like, don't stop drinking. I'm like, great. <laughs> and you're like, I'm not, I think you said like, you're not going to want to drink by the time you finish this book. And that is actually, that is truly what happened, but it took some time. And in that time, so I, I started the pandemic, uh, April 6th, our pandemic started, I think it was the 17th here when everything of March, when everything got locked down and I had committed to doing the 30 day alcohol experiment. And this was when you still had it online, you didn't have an app and to log into the portal, type in your notes every day. And I started at April 6th and I'm telling you, like, it was both the best and the hardest month of my life because COVID is, is going on. Nobody knows what's, what's going on in the world. And all social media is like, drink, 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 drink your way through the stress. How much can you drink every day? And I'm like, yeah, no, going to write my, got to write my gratitude, got to write what, you know, answer my questions on alcohol experiment. And I kind of got to the end of that and sort of slipped. I tried to maintain it slipped back into bad, not bad habits, but like here and there, like I went to a girlfriend's porch and what stuck with me though, so much was, and I tell people this on every interview I do, or every time I talk to anybody about the book and, you know, people will message me. I, you know, I failed, I drank today. I always say it's, you don't have to get a hundred percent right away. Right. You can get 92% on this test and you're still getting an A, like give yourself a hug, give yourself a hug for the effort. And so I did that from like April till December. I was sort of what uh, I'm building this platform I call rethinking drinking and, you know, assessing every day what happened and not every day. I think it was, uh, you know, maybe two or three times a month, some, an event would come up. And I think this happens for a lot of people and, you think I'm just going to have one and then you have three and then you're like, I hate myself. <laughs> By the time December came around and this is sort of the end of this, not end of the story, but this is where I sort of, you know, there's a, a nice pivotal point here. My daughter, uh, and when we were sitting around my Christmas, the table at Christmas and it was, it was Christmas. Uh, that was the first year of the pandemic. So nobody was allowed to see each other at Christmas. So it was just me and my husband and my two kids at our table. And I had gone out and bought a bottle of wine for the table even though I wasn't drinking, trying not to drink, my husband doesn't drink wine. And I have two kids who don't drink. Who was I buying this bottle of wine for? Can I ask that question? (laughs) Like who, who was my, what was I thinking in the back of my mind? I knew I was buying it for myself, but it was like still that connection with Christmas. You must have wine on the table. It felt odd not to have alcohol on the table. And I poured this glass for myself and my daughter just looked at me and she's like, I am so disappointed in you. And she was 13 at uh, 12 or 13 at the time. And just the way she said it, she was like, I am so disappointed in you. And uh, that was the last time I, I ever drank. I was like, yeah, this is setting a really bad example. If I'm showing her, I'm trying this, but I'm, I'm not letting myself, I'm not uh, talking the talk walking. I'm, uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm talking the talk, but not walking the walk. So I was like, that's it. I need to set a better example for her because she's going to be a teenager soon. She needs to see me accomplishing this and making change. Oh, I love that so much. It's so good. So good. And so how did it go after that? Uh, pretty fairly easy because I had already been really, I'd been passing the test <laughs> from April to December. And so it was quite easy. I don't want to say easy. From, from the moment I started down this path, 
there's ups and downs, right? Um, I think everybody will agree that like, there's, there's moments where you're ha- super happy and where you're, you're super low. And I had already gone through, th- through the alcohol experiment. Thank God for the alcohol experiment that those 30 days being during COVID, because I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't need to go anywhere. I could really put my pajamas on at eight o'clock and, and take some tonic water and some popcorn and, or, or a tea or whatever and crawl into bed. So I went through a lot of those really extreme highs and lows in the first two or three months of the pandemic while I was doing this. So when I said, that's it, I'm done. Uh, it was like a renewed purpose almost. And, and, and I, and in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to start a business around this as well, but I'm not a coach. Um, I'm not a medical practitioner. I'm not a registered dietitian. I was, I worked in marketing and I was like, and I was I was trying to figure out where I, where I could land and I'm a great writer and I love doing creating content and photographing and and doing video and things. So as soon as I made that decision, I was like, I put all of my energy good and bad into trying to build a business around, around this concept of rethinking drinking. That's awesome. I love that so much. And so how has things been like for you sort of socially or in relationships? This is actually another funny story. This has just been so like, there's so many great things. Like, of course there's downsides, but like this is actually a really great thing that happened. So my husband wasn't a big drinker at all until he met me. And then over the years, he started drinking more and more because I was the one going to the the LCBO here in Ontario and or the, the beer store or whatever and, and getting stuff for myself. So I would always bring home beer for him. When I stopped drinking, it meant that I wasn't going to the the store anymore <laughs> to buy to buy alcohol. And I had never purchased, uh, he does, well, he does the grocery shopping too. So it's like, I wasn't going to the places to, to purchase, uh, stuff for myself. And I would have usually bought stuff for him. And so I just stopped going to those things and following those sort of habits. So little by little, he is like organically stopped drinking also, but not, he, he didn't say like, I'm never drinking again. He just sort of organically doesn't drink at home at all anymore, really, except like if, if we have people over, or if we go to, if we go to his parents, for instance, he'll have a beer with his dad, but it's never more than a beer. Like he's, he's just like, yeah, okay. He's just doing it to be social. So, um, we've always had a very contentious relationship and, you know, we've always, we've never quite gelled over many, many things. And so there's, there's that, there's, there's a whole other story there, I think of how that, how my marriage is going, but it probably would have ended a lot sooner if I hadn't stopped drinking because I'm able to withstand the, the volleys, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Flying off the handle, screaming and yelling, like there's a pause. There's more of a pause. There's more of like a, an ability to kind of withstand the ups and downs, like the, I'm not as explosive about things and yeah, I'm mad because like, you know, this towels on the floor in the bathroom, but I'm, it's not going to, it's like before it would have, you know, if I had been drinking, it was like, God darn it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but like your towels on the floor again, or whatever it is. Um, or you didn't pick up the kids or you didn't make something healthy for dinner or whatever. There was always little things I could nitpick. And now it's like, it's a little, it's a lot easier to coast through difficult times and things aren't as contentious. So when we do argue, it's easy for me to back off. And I can see the kids too are getting older and they're more uncomfortable too. And they are so proud of me that I'm not, that I don't drink anymore, that they tell all their friends, like they're really happy for me. And like, they love that about me. And so they can see too, that like my daughter's old enough to make the connection between 
the old mommy who would have wine at the table, wine while she's cooking dinner, wine, like, and I guess I didn't get into that earlier because I feel like so many women have, have, have said the same thing on the, this podcast, but it's, you know, it's the wine. As soon as I got home from work, the wine while I was making dinner, wine with dinner, wine while I was cleaning up the kitchen and then a glass of wine, you know, and now it's mommy time. Um, and so my daughter and I, you're at, you were asking about relationships. And so I guess, you know, I just want to share that. I think the relationship with my daughter has, has, she said to me the other day, and she's so comfortable saying these things to me now. And I'm so grateful. She said, mom, the other day, uh, when you used to drink, you used to put your, your breath always smelled like wine at night and you'd put your wine glass on my dollhouse. And there was always a red ring there from the bottom of your wine glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's just a joy that she can tell me those things. And she's seen me be able to own up to that. And that's like the most important thing. If I can get one thing across, like owning up to when you've, you've, you may have, um, done something that is hurting somebody else or owning up to just your behavior and understanding why it, why it's not you. It's the, it's the substance that's doing that, but being able to talk about it openly is such a big thing. It's such a, it's such a key thing. My husband always says, why do you always have to bring everything back to drinking? I'm like, cause you don't understand what a huge change this is. Right. And so my, my relationship with my daughter has gotten really strong. Um, and my son was a little bit too little to really understand what's going on, but you know, we've always had a good relationship. So I feel like our, we're, we're stronger now as a family. And, uh, I did, I did lose a lot of friends. I think this is very, very common. I just not necessarily because they weren't inviting me places. I just don't like them anymore. Like, I just don't, I'm not interested in hanging around with them, whether they're drinking or not. I've started to realize this is a big thing actually you asked about relationships. And I think the most important thing is the relationship with yourself. Yeah. 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 And knowing when you to trust your instinct about relationships and about people and being okay with like, I don't really like that person anymore. I don't understand why I was even connected with some of these people. And it wasn't necessarily alcohol. It was just coming to terms with myself as a person. The veil is lifted. The alcohol veil is gone. And I always say to people like, let's pull back that dusty velvet curtain in the back of your closet and, and let the sunlight in. (laughs) Right. Um, And that's how I feel like it's like all of a sudden I'm seeing the world differently as I'm starting to love myself more. And that's effect. That's, you know, it's brought about some good change and some bad change, some unfortunate change, but all in all, it's, I'm in a much better place now. Wow. I love that so much. So great. Um, that's amazing. So, uh, what other sort of things have you like seen in terms of a ripple effect in your life? Ripple effect. Well, you know, okay. So I started this platform, somegoodcleanfun.com. It was a, this website and, um, you know, one of the, the, the happiest things that about, you know, if you're thinking about a ripple effect is like, I didn't know how to share this. I'm, I'm not very, I'm not great on social media. I, uh, I'm better at writing. I'm better at live stuff. I'm better at podcasts and TV and stuff like that. And so I thought, how am I going to share like this knowledge, like that I've, that I've gained. Like I literally just wanted to regurgitate this naked mind into a way <laughs> into different co- pieces of content. And, um, and so I started this platform and this, you know, this website, and that's been so great because people in my life have started reading it. They've started trying some of the recipes of my mocktails. 
Um, friends have said, I'm so, you know, I'm so proud of you. You've inspired me, you know, to try to uh, moderate or try to cut back. And, um, you know, I think that's what it is in the in my community here in Toronto, but also further abroad too. you know, just being able to, I do, you know, I do do some social media content and I have a, a wide newsletter subscriber base now across Canada. And, to me, that's the, the great ripple effect is that like, I want to share this, I want to inspire people to women specifically to understand that you can choose, you can choose you, we don't, it's so unhealthy for you. And you don't have to have a label on yourself. You could just decide it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a big deal. You don't have to label yourself as sober curious, even you can just be like, you know, I just don't feel like drinking today. And the, the joy and the fun of life. Yeah. I love that so much. That's awesome. So Sarah, let me ask you the question that I kind of wrap these up with, which is if you were going to go back in time to Sarah, who was, you know, in the lobby passing out in your apartment building or feeling really embarrassed while your father-in-law was drinking a wine glass full of uh, vodka, what would you tell her about what life is like now? I think that I actually am really surprised at how strong I've been able to be mentally. And I think that that's the the one thing that I would need that I would want to get across to that person is to that that younger Sarah was like, stop hiding. You have so much more resilience than you think you do. Stop hiding behind alcohol. You don't need it to fit in. I think that one of the key things I didn't mention is that I I have a really hard time fitting in with people. I'm a little bit kooky, and so I used to drink to try and fit in. I, I thought it was the thing to do, right? Because everybody was drinking, and I would tell that person, you know, you have to just be comfortable with yourself. Because once you are, everything you've ever wanted can happen. Stop hiding behind what people want from you, what expectations are, um, you know, do what you need to do. And, and life is so great because you you don't have that. You're not hiding behind something that's ruining your life every day. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. That is just amazing. Um, well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on. It's just been awesome. Thank you for having me, Annie. We are so excited to announce our newly recalibrated signature program, The Path Freedom Accelerated. This 90-day program is designed to make freedom from alcohol quicker, more accessible, and more affordable than ever before. Imagine if just 90 days from now you discover a new freedom without feeling like you're hanging on to willpower by your fingernails, without feeling deprived or like you're missing out, and without the shame, guilt, and blame. The Path Freedom Accelerated provides a guided, almost hypnotic sequence of content that speaks not only to your conscious mind, but also to your subconscious, actually changing your desire for a drink. Plus, you will receive daily accountability and support from our coaches and our community. If you feel like you have lost control of your drinking, there is a solution. One that's easier than you might think and doesn't involve rules, missing out, or deprivation. We would love for you to join us. Go to nakedmindpath.com to learn more. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.